Welcome to the weekly Mission Red Bank podcast, helping the body of Christ build itself up together in love. Father, I humbly ask that the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of each one of our hearts, by the power of your Spirit, would be made pleasing to you. Jesus, our rock and our redeemer, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear. Toil the soil of our hearts that the good word, the good seed might bear good fruit that remains. Amen. So we've been in the book of Acts for some time now. And a few weeks back, as we finished up the stoning of St. Stephen, one of the things we noticed, and I said in that message, we're going to hear a lot more about this guy in the future. We noticed that as the people were picking up stones to hurl them at Stephen, they took their cloaks off and it says they laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. And after Stephen was killed, Saul, it says in the text, began to ravage the church. Like there was a persecution that came that really in some ways is probably beyond our imagination. It was terrifying. And then we saw that as this awful thing was happening, God moved right in the middle of it and used it as the disciples scattered to spread the word of the coming of Christ the King and his kingdom And the work that he had done, his life, death, and resurrection, God used that disbursement called the diaspora. He used it to take it to other parts of the region, to other cities. And uh, Diane talked about that a couple of weeks ago as when he went to Samaria, he ran into a man named Simon the Magician uh, who was called by those people the power of God. And this guy became a disciple. And we read about events in his life that led him to repentance, to turn back and seek to follow God even further. And then last week, Abbot Chris was here, and he talked about how Philip was on the road to Gaza, which in that day and time was considered the ends of the earth. And so we see something. St. Luke is writing of the Great Commission being fulfilled, that you will go to Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. And so we see this happening, right? Well, today we're going to do what I promised we would do about three weeks ago. We're going to look closer at the life of that young man named Saul. There were many who persecuted Christ's church in that day, and many still since, and who do so now. But none of them have got the press, if you will, in the Bible that Saul did. So let's start with our text today as we look at Acts chapter 9. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that was what following Jesus was called by them, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So as 
they are moving into other places as the persecution started and people left Jerusalem, what happened is the first century believers were very, very Jewish. And so they went into the synagogues. Remember at Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2, it says that, he, that there were many God-fearing men and women around when he was preaching. Well, when they went home, and then as the scattering happened, this message about the Messiah has come went with them. And they began giving it away. Well, the Jewish leaders heard about it, and Saul was so aggressively opposed to the idea of Jesus as Messiah that he went to the high priest who was the religious and political, social leader of the Jewish people to get letters so that he could go to other cities and pursue them. Now, before we just villainize Saul for being psychotic or something, let's, let's know something. He thought he was serving God. He did. He was so opposed to this because he had seen others rise up and fall down, and he had seen the faith and lives of many be shipwrecked in following others as the Messiah, and it not work. He did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. He was afraid that the way this thing of following this carpenter from Nazareth was a dangerous faction or sect inside Judaism, and he wanted to cleanse it, purge it out. So that's what he's doing, and that's what has him on the road to Damascus. And then our text continues. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Which as we looked at in preaching team this week, we don't think this is Saul identifying Jesus as Lord at all. He didn't know who this was. This is kurios, which can be interpreted Lord, but basically what he's saying is, who are you, sir? What's going on here? And he said, the voice I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him, they stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. They didn't know what in the world was going on. And it says, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. He had been blinded by this. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. So Saul was aggressively seeking to serve God by eradicating this dangerous faction. And he just found out how wrong he was. He was so viciously opposed to Jesus. He had done something that in that day and time would be unthinkable in his culture, especially for a man like him. You see, 
Saul was a disciple of a leader, a Rebbe, named Gamaliel. And back in Acts chapter 5, when the apostles had been brought before the council and the leaders, Gamaliel had said, hey, set these men outside. I need, some, I need to say something to y'all. He was older, an elder, kind of like, let's listen to him. And what he did is he said, you need to let these men alone. And then Gamaliel recounts two different times when there had been leaders who raised up in the past and had many followers. One of them, it said, even had 400 followers going after him. And these men died. And when they did, what happened? Their followers dispersed. So Gamaliel said, listen, men, if what these guys are doing is of man, it won't last. It will play out and be done. And us aggressively going at them, it puts us sideways with the people and we could have a bigger uprising than we want on our hands. So let them be. And then Gamaliel said something amazing. He said, but then there is another side to this. If what they're doing is of God, we cannot be doing this or we would find ourselves opposing God. Okay, so Saul, get that in your mind, Saul was his disciple. Gamaliel was the Rebbe. Saul was the Talmud. He was the master, the leader, the disciple. That's Gamaliel. Saul was his disciple, his follower. And Gamaliel said, let these men alone. Get your hands off this. And Saul was so aggressively opposed And so passionate about what was going on, he broke ranks with his master and went after the followers of the way. That was a bold, bold, out-of-bounds step. Do you remember when Peter, when Jesus said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and men are going to kill me and Peter steps in front of him and says, may this never be, Lord, And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me because you have in mind the things of man and not the things of God. Jesus was saying, him, the Rebbe, to his Talmud, his disciple, he was saying, Peter, no. You get back behind me and follow like you belong. That was mercy. Often a a teacher could just break ranks right then and say, no more, I'm done with you but he graciously asked him to do something else. This is like that. Saul had broken ranks with Gamaliel and was going after the church. And what does God do? God, I said this in the earlier service and we said it in preaching team. I think God might have been like, Saul, I spoke to Gamaliel (laughs) to get you to calm down and you wouldn't have it So instead of anything else, God comes and finds him and he confronts him head on, opposes him. And when Saul asks who's talking to him, he could have said Yahweh. He could have said many things. He didn't. It was Jesus who confronted him. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And something astonishing happened. Saul listened. He doesn't argue. 
He does as he's told. Now, there are lots of stories of men and women being called to follow the Lord throughout Scripture, and some are arguably as astonishing as this one. But the person being called in those stories is typically already on board with the calling or at least looks somewhat potentially agreeable to it. Neither one of those conditions is obvious in Saul at all. Nevertheless, when God confronted him and he realized Jesus is God, he turned, he repented. Once he realized he was wrong, as stunning and actually horrifying, I think, as that had to be for him, he stopped, obeyed, humbled himself through fasting, availing himself to God for whatever he should do next. Now, that's the passage. That's a quick walk through that passage. For purposes of, okay, why does that matter so much to me and what do I do with it? Here's what I want to look at. I just want to look at two things that are very, very obvious in this passage. One, I want you to hear me clearly. In this calling and confrontation with Saul, we learn this. Whoever you are, you hear that? Whatever other voices are speaking, in the name of Jesus, I pray they be quiet. Hear the Lord. Whoever you are, whoever you've been, whatever you've done, whatever has been done to you, you are not beyond the redemptive reach of God. That is the truth. If the latest terrorizing sin that you're thinking about was a minute ago or yesterday, hear me clearly. You are not beyond God's redemptive reach. That's the first thing we need to hear. And I've said something like that in here on a number of occasions. And it's always good news when we hear it, but we really need to hear it a lot. Now, here's the second thing, and this is so important because if we don't hear this, you really can misunderstand the epistles, the letters to the church that Saul wrote throughout the rest of Scripture when his name was changed to Paul. It was just a different version of his name. And he used that and started following Christ. Here's what you need to hear. How you treat one another is how you're treating Jesus. How you treat one another, how we think, speak, act, things we do, things we don't do, how we treat one another is how we're treating Jesus. Saul There is no evidence that Saul had ever laid his hands on Jesus, ever. But what did Jesus say to him when he said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. This is why we read the gospel reading that we do. Jesus and his economy, his way of thinking, whatever you do or don't do to another, you have done to him. This is important. So the way you behave in business that is a little 
gray or shady. You need to understand, how are you treating the Lord there? The way we dismiss or move beyond or go and do something else that we would find more pleasurable or entertaining or available, neglecting someone else's real need, how are we treating Jesus there? Those are negative examples. There could be positive ones. How you treat one another is how you're treating the Lord. Now, if that feels like it's got a little knot in your stomach of of conviction, let me go back to the first thing again. Remember, another thing from this text that we learn, whoever you are, whoever you've been, whatever you've done, if it was a minute ago, whatever you've done, whatever's been done to you, you are not beyond the love, compassion, and redemption of Almighty God. That conviction that you might feel right now is God's kindness come to compel you to stop. Think again and follow him. That's repentance. And it was St. Paul who wrote, it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. What do you think he was remembering? So here I want you to consider how you're treating one another. If there's ever been a passage where I've looked at it and gone, oh my gosh, this really tells us to do this. We can truly break honest and go, I'm really treating people badly right now. You may not have been raised in a context that in that moment would allow you to do anything but shame yourself. But I promise you that shame does not come from God. God's conviction is not born in God's insecurity. He doesn't have that. So when he convicts, he's like, hey, I want you to see this, and I want you to go, I have no idea what to do with this, and I've been off. Terrible, maybe. Joe Novenson taught me in that moment to always imagine God going, I know. And he's not frustrated. You can't stop him. He's doing this to call us from whatever is wearing us out from the inside out to be free, to follow him. Are you opposing that? Are you stubbornly hanging on? Or would you let go today? Are you serving one another as the blood-bought sons and daughters, his agents of reconciliation in the world that you are, that he's called you to be? If you're not, if you're taking advantage of one another, wounding one another, God is saying, you're persecuting me. There is no individualism at all in following Jesus. Are you a person? Yes. But in Christ, you are part of his body. You are no longer alone. You can hide wherever you want. You're part of the body. David would say, even if I were to make my 
bed in the land of the dead, there you'd be. I cannot get away from you. And that's actually really, really good news. So I want to call us to repentance. Not a morbid, morose moment, but a joyful, tearful maybe with some mourning of sin, but with joy, tears of joy too. The grief and the joy mixed as we say, I've not done what you wanted me to do. And he says, I know that. That's why you're feeling it. Now, follow me. That's what he says. And that's what he did with Paul. So today is a day of salvation. A day of freedom. A day to stop running into Jesus and start rolling with Jesus. As we come to this time and a moment of confession and repentance before we come to the table, I really do pray that the Lord will confront us. We're going to have a silent moment to give ourselves, to avail ourselves to his confrontation so that however he needs to do it, like Saul, we can meet Jesus, hear his voice, stop, repent, and do as he says. Amen. You've been listening to the Mission Red Bank Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Mission Red Bank or have questions about what you've heard today, you'll find us on Facebook. Grace and peace to you, and may God's blessings surround you.